Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you for another hour. Well, really 51 minutes. Um, we uh, have Tim Thielman will be joining us in just a few seconds talking about the decision on Friday that came down. You heard um, State Senator Sean Ryan talking about it in the first segment, uh, but we will get Tim's take on it as well. Uh, if you didn't hear, an appellate court judge Friday granted preservationists a temporary restraining order until at least another hearing uh, is heard this month. So we are still in limbo with the Great Northern Grain Elevator and the uh, from the Greater Buffalo, Tim Thielman is joining us. Sorry, I uh, got sidetracked there. You shouldn't look at the text board when you're uh, about to interview, just so you know. Tim Thielman is joining us about Friday's decision. Tim, good Sunday morning. Yeah, Joe, how are you? Yep, the Bills won and the sun is shining. It is. Let me tell you, well, I'm still falling out from last night, um, but... I don't think I've seen a more dominant Bills team in my 33 years. I don't think I've seen a, a team that dominant in the playoffs. It's uh, I, I can't wait. I wish I could press the fast forward button and get to next week. You know, right? Yeah, it was exciting. Now, Tim, uh, I know you uh, you were excited on Friday with the uh, court's decision uh, for the Great Northern Grain Elevator. What was that decision, and how did we get to that on Friday? Well, it was an appeals court. Uh, as uh, some of your listeners may know, in a early decision, uh, the court found that Commissioner Jim Comerford of the city of Buffalo acted rationally in ordering it, the emergency demolition of that landmark. And an appeals court judge, Tracy Bannister, gave us a temporary restraining order um, on the grounds that, well, the elevator is unlikely to fall down. (laughs) And uh, we're going to be back in court to argue for an injunction so we can go forward with our appeal. So it was a very important step in saving the elevator. Is that one of the most important uh, things that when you make your appeal, the fact that this thing probably won't fall down you know we've talked to uh, architects that say no it's it's actually in really good shape it's not going to crumble down do you think that's what's getting you this other hearing that's what keeps this going along well based on yes uh, it, 
the short answer is yes. And based on the documents and the testimony already submitted to the court, there's plenty there to indicate that indeed uh, had someone carefully considered what was uh, submitted and available certainly to the commissioner, uh, he would have understood that the building wasn't going to fall down. And by the way, um, if eight feet of snow falls tonight into tomorrow, that elevator is not going to fall down. It's, it's pretty solid. Now, besides uh, seeing them in court, have you had any communication or do you know anyone who has had cu- communication with ADM? Um, well, of, of course, uh, our team is talking to ADM's legal team all the time about things, and uh, but there has been uh, no budging on their notion that um, they want the elevator down, and apparently their concern for humanity is such that they can't even have other engineers and architects go near the building to verify what their uh, engineer has said. So it's basically, well, we got to trust them. And we know from experience dating back 30 years, um, I at least trust ADM as far as I can throw them. Now, do they, when they go to court, and I don't know how much can be said, but when they go to court, do they have, you know, after it's torn down, this is our plan. Are they putting a plan out there for post uh, the Great Northern? No, because they, they don't have one. Um, they, when they tried to do this uh, about 25 years ago, they actually came with a plan for a new grain elevator, which, of course, at the time, we as well as the union that was working there. We had two unions working with us, the Grain Millers Union and the Grain Scoopers Union. They said, you know, it's tripe. They they just took this, uh, you know, out of a desk drawer, said, hey, we're going to build this. And that indeed uh, turned out to be the case. Now, we hear Doug Jamal's name uh, thrown around. Uh, have you had any talk with Doug Jamal? Does he have an interest if – if this um, does get sold, if ADM does sell this, does Doug Jamal have an interest in this building? Uh, Douglas Jamal is one of a list of developers that has a pretty keen interest in this. And uh, he's literally chomping at the bit to be able to take this thing over. But as you know, uh, it takes two to tango, and you need, in addition to a willing buyer, a willing seller. And uh, for whatever reason, ADM uh, at this moment is not a willing seller. But is your hope that if, you know, this keeps getting pushed out in court, right, you you won the appeal, you have another hearing this month, if this keeps going to where they're not going to get that right to tear it down, do you think eventually, I know it's been 41 years, Tim, but do you think eventually ADM will sell this? Uh, well, that's the hope, uh, that, that somewhere w- within the, that giant company, someone says, you know what, it doesn't make sense because now, you, you know, Joe, you're, you're maybe forecasting that we win the court case, and I certainly hope that's the case. Well, then what happens? Well, then both the city and Buffalo and ADM are compelled to follow the law. The city is compelled to make ADM fix the property and restore it. Um, 
ADM may say, holy smokes, that's going to cost us a lot of money. We have no interest in it, even though we can get tax credits, et cetera, et cetera. We just don't want the headache. Well, you know, people like Douglas Jamal and uh, Rocco Termini, um, they love this stuff. They love solving these problems. They love taking, you know, historic structures that have been uh, cast aside and reimagining them, refurbishing them. And I'm telling you, magic happens. Uh, Rocco Termini has totally redone Chandler Street. That was a collection of industrial buildings that, geez, everyone, uh, you know, was totally unaware of until he came and, you know, reimagine these things and uh, douglas jamal same thing with many buildings in buffalo as you know he's interested in uh taking over the richardson complex um he he's spoken about geez he'd like to get involved in central terminal so uh he recognizes the the magic in redoing these and and by the way you, you know he's just a long line of people that have been attracted to the Buffalo River because if you go down there today, you're going to see breweries, distilleries, offices in a lot of these older warehouses and buildings and indeed grain elevators, recreational complexes, and you're seeing brand spanking new apartment buildings built with views literally of the Great Northern Grain Elevator. So uh, there's a lot of potential ADM, they're just a company that mills flour and produces ethanol. They're not real estate developers. They don't have the imagination it's going to take to save this, and they should hand it over to people with that imagination. And the city of Buffalo should be aiding the citizens and the public who are, you know, screaming to save this elevator. And and you're right about Chandler Street. There was a pretty epic wedding there in September. Just saying. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> well, did you have personal experience with that wedding? Yeah, yeah it was my own. It was uh, it was an epic wedding and an epic venue. And you're right; they turned uh, that area into a destination now. It's where people want to go. It's where people want to hang out. Yeah. Well, Joe, congratulations! I didn't know you were married, but did, did, did you do it in Tapo Pizza or where was it? It was yeah, the the upstairs of the Tapo Pizza. Yeah, you you know, if you go into that building, and it's a fabulous space, but if you go into the ground floor, you see how high that ceiling is. That's a gigantic industrial building. The Great Northern, if you were to walk inside that on the ground, the ceiling is 28 and a half feet high. Wow. Uh, That's where the bottom of the bins are. It's a magnificent industrial space. So you can see someone like Termini or Jamal saying, oh, my gosh, give me a building that's 400 feet long on the city's ship canal that has this cool industrial vibe. Let me add it, man. I could really make something of this. And and that's why uh, both of them are so adamant that this thing shouldn't be demolished. It's it, it's not only is it a, a vital piece of our history and American architecture and engineering history, the potential for future economic development is vast, um, and we only have to uh, grab it. So, But once this is gone, it's gone forever. So uh, we have a unique piece of our history and architecture that can 
play a really vital role in the uh, emergence of the Buffalo waterfront, and we ought to take that opportunity. Now, Tim, you talk about the, the ground floor, and I've heard so much about that. What about the, the, the top of the structure there, uh, which kind of makes it you know, unique, uh, the top of the structure? Is that something that could be uh, turned into something? Has that gotten interest from people like uh, Doug Jamal, like Rocco Termini, uh, you know, something on the ground floor and then something at the top as well? Sure, yeah, and, and you know what's interesting, Joe? Those are the two, two things that have the most potential because you got the ground floor, but then you have something that's over – 10 stories up in the air. And I'm telling you, I, I'm sitting here right now looking at uh, the steel framework of that. And, uh, again, very, very solid. It's in no danger of blowing over or something like that. But, man, would that be cool uh, to live in or, uh, you, you know, uh, have a restaurant in or something like that. It, You know, we think of big churches. I mean, think of a big church in Buffalo, St. Paul's Cathedral, St. Joseph's Cathedral. Uh, the length of the Great Northern is three times the length of either of those churches. So if you think it's cool walking into a cathedral, imagine walking into something that's three times as long, and that's what that cupola is at the top of the Great Northern. You know, Tim, uh, in the first segment of the show today, we talked with Sean Ryan, who has obviously been very vocal. Uh, have you been surprised with the um, the support you've gotten from uh, political figures in the area? Oh, it, it's been fantastic. You know, Sean, Brian Higgins, uh, other people coming forward. And, you know, the, the way this happens is, you know, I think they sense the potential. They, uh, Brian Higgins, for example, going back to his time as – uh, the council member for the South District has always had a keen interest in the waterfront. And if you see the Great Northern, the Great Northern is the waterfront landmark. You're on the Outer Harbor, you know, all the discussion about how to redevelop that, uh, make it a great park, things like that. The backdrop to all of that is this enormous landmark, Great Northern. And you can, you know, we produce drawings and they're on our website showing the building restored, and just the giant word Buffalo across that cupola in letters four stories high. I, I mean, you can see this thing from like 16 miles out into the lake. And in the days of the steamships uh, of 100 years ago, indeed, the first notice of Buffalo was that great northern grain elevator sitting out there. And still, sailors today use it as a landmark, and it would just be a spectacular backdrop to all kinds of things on the waterfront or, indeed, you know, Kelly Island, the Buffalo River, because this is a really a two-sided landmark, you know, facing the old First Ward and facing the lake. So it's in a fantastic position, and, man, if this were restored, it would be a national success story. Tim, you know, as this has gone on, you know, it's gotten a lot of talk. Uh, it's dominated talk here uh, on certain days. Um, and I know not just here on BEN, but all around Western New York. Have people come out to you and, and said, you know, Tim, when this first came up, uh, I was, you know, team, knock it down. But after hearing about it, reading about it, getting more informed on it, uh, their opinion has changed. I know I've seen that. Have people come to you and said, you know, over the last month, my opinion's really changed on keeping this structure? Oh, 
Absolutely. And, 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 you know, that that is just as people become more informed or, you, you know, very often people, particularly from the outlying areas who are, are not necessarily familiar with what's going on in industrial heritage in, in Buffalo, that, you know, it's not only on the waterfront. Boy, the Beltline and everything, uh, it's fantastic uh, developments, apartments. And, you know, from Chandler Street, you, you know, people are living in these uh, uh, industrial buildings and converted loft spaces, the great aero factory. So that's what's happening. People are saying, oh, wait a minute. Uh, we've had people from Niagara County coming over. It's it's kind of a tourist attraction now. Uh, you don't see something like this every day. And once you're there, you become really intrigued by the possibilities and the sheer size of this thing. And then when you hear about the history, how old it is, how significant it is, uh, how unique it is, you know, you're going to say, well, geez, given all this information that I have and the fact that it's not going to fall down, uh, I think the opposite argument has to be made. Why the heck would you want to tear something like this down? You know, Um, I'm telling you, there is literally no other city on planet Earth that has a building like the Great Northern. I can say that with certainty. So anytime a city has something unique, you save it. And, you know, it's not just because it's old or it's unique. It attracts people um, who want to live in exciting, adventuresome urban environments. And those are the people that are going to animate our economy in our future. Those are the people you build cities on, and they like this stuff, you know, and uh, this is the this is the future. We have the character, you know, other cities don't have it. I'm sorry, uh, you know, uh, Flint, Michigan, or, uh, you know, I don't know, Evansville, Indiana, or something, they don't have this. We do. So, uh, we got to save it, and we got to really leverage this. And we have people coming out uh, who want to do it. Uh, a lot of our elected officials are very cognizant of uh, the potential. So we just got to get this legal issue out of the way and get ADM. You know, Joe, I describe them as a bad actor. <laughs> I mean, they've had this. Uh, building for 30 years and they've let it rot and unfortunately across two administrations the city has let them uh, have it rotting and that's got to stop it's got to be fixed and there are the, the money's there the tax credits are there at the end of the day for a company of the scale of ADM um, they would have 94 percent of their costs made up and tax credits. So um, it would behoove everyone to step back from the precipice and say, you know, what are we talking about here? Why would we want to demolish it? Let's save it. Tim, looking forward to that legal battle. Uh, so the appeal has been won. Do you know when the next hearing will be? Well, well, the, the restraining order has been won. The appeal, the, the, we're, we're back in court uh, before Judge Bannister um, I, it may be Zoom, it may be remote, not in person, but that would be uh, Monday after tomorrow, uh, so a week from uh, tomorrow. 
and she will decide whether to issue a what's called a preliminary injunction, and that gives us a much more lengthy time uh, to meet whatever schedule the appeals court in Rochester sets. Tim Tillman from the Campaign for Greater Buffalo History, Architecture, and Culture. I know it won't be the last time we talk, but I I, I appreciate you joining me this Sunday morning. Okay, thanks, Joe. Thank you, Tim. That is Tim Tillman, and as we said, we will follow um, what happens next. Uh, There is another hearing, as Tim said, a week from tomorrow. You know that will be covered right here on WBEN. When we come back, Stephen Sams is running a campaign against Brian Higgins. He'll introduce himself to us next here on WBEN. Welcome back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back. It is Hardline. On a victory Sunday here on WBEN. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it is Joe Beamer with you, if you're wondering who I am. Uh, final segment here of Hardline. This show has gone by very quickly. And our final guest of the day is a man who is ready to challenge Congressman Brian Higgins this election year, Stephen Sams II. Stephen, good morning. Welcome to Hardline. Morning, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Steve, uh, you're running in the 26th district. First, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, Joe, you know, I've decided to uh, run against Brian Higgins. Um, He's been uh, our congressman for the better part of 16 years now, and uh, not really a big fan of what's taking place in Buffalo. You know, outside of the waterfront, we really haven't seen much development or much economic growth or, you know, progress in, in, you know, in our cities, you know, first ward, especially. And I've been driving around the district looking at things and, you know, I've, I've been in parts of Iraq and Afghanistan that are better developed than, you know, our own, you know, U.S. city of Buffalo. Um, I'm a, you know, military guy. That's how I spent my life and spent my career. I served in the Marine Corps and in the Army. I did three combat tours overseas and, you know, I, I got injured, so I can't serve in uniform anymore, but you know, I'm not done serving the American people. You know, so I've decided to uh, throw my hat in the political ring and run for office. Stephen, what makes you want to jump into New York 26? I mean, obviously, this is a district that has been held by Congressman Higgins for some time. Uh, with you know the, the realigning of the districts, in, in knowing Albany, it, it'll probably gain a few more Democrats. Uh, what makes you want to go after this district, and is it something about Congressman Higgins that you say his time in Congress should be up? Well, my biggest thing right now is I want to run to the seat because I feel like I could do a better job than anybody else that would probably uh, throw their hat in. 
New York 26 is what I call home. It's been my home since 1991, and it's been, you know, been where I call home every time I came back from, you know, wherever I was stationed overseas or in the, you know, other parts of the United States. Brian Higgins as a, as an individual, I don't really know much about the man. You know, I know about his, you know, what he's done policy-wise and it's there could be more that is, that that could be done. Thank you Brian for the waterfront. Thank you for Canal Side. Uh what about the rest of us? Is basically the questions that I have. And looking at just the last year, you know, uh, you've got a Congress that has a Democrat majority, a Senate that is right there in the middle, but a, a slim Democrat majority, and obviously the White House held on by Democrats. Uh, what do you think of things like inflation that we have seen going up so much in, in the last year? And what do you think are ways that government could help you know, lower these prices that so many have seen go up for everyday use? Well, inflation, you know, it's, it's a terrible terrible thing that's affecting you know a lot of people in in our city um actually i'm on my way to the store to go get my five dollar gallon of milk um that's that price has gone up dramatically in you know just the last year and a half Uh, when you got kids you buy a lot of milk um so here i go again to buy some more as far as what the government can do you know a lot of our inflation problems come from supply problems and our supply problems come from the fact that we don't have our manufacturing our, our building of things doesn't happen in America anymore. We get a lot of our stuff from overseas, and we, saw, we see what happens with the ports, how they're backed up. We can't get, you know, I work at an auto parts store right now. You know, that's, that's what I do. You know, I enjoy it. I get to serve the community and help people. And getting, people getting parts for their cars is very difficult. I mean, not everybody has money to go out and buy a new car, at least a new car every, you know, every couple of years. So the people that have, you know, their daily drivers, they're, they're a little beat up, so they're trying to get them fixed. They can't get them fixed because they can't get the parts, primarily because our parts aren't made here. Our manufacturing isn't done here. Our prescription drugs aren't done here. You know, we, we don't have the truck drivers that we need because we've, you know, disincentivized, you know, hard work, blue-collar work. You know, it's, there, there isn't an appreciation for the average everyday working man. And these are some of the things that our government can do to help move our nation forward. You know, and you know, incentivize you know blue collar jobs instead of you know, hey, you need to go to college, you need to get a degree. Well, they're going to go pay you tens of thousands of dollars for a degree for jobs that don't exist anymore. When we have all these other blue collar jobs, you can go make fifty, sixty grand a year starting out and be you know, in a good position for your family in your future. Stephen, you know, another thing that's going to be on the ballot, let's be honest, here in uh, November of 2022 is COVID. Uh, what do you think of the COVID strategy coming out of D.C. and the strategy coming out of uh, Albany that affects us here in New York State? You know, I don't, I'm not seeing much of a strategy. I'm seeing more knee-jerk reactions. You know, you know, we've got a COVID spike. We need to, you know, mass shut down, you know, you know, keep our kids out of school. We are not looking at the whole picture we're not hearing all the facts we're not hearing all the news we're not informing the everyday person you know this this, we've gone so far away from what our principles as americans is you know keep us informed let us make our own decisions that are best for our family and our own particular situation you know we've we've gotten so scared of covid you know in the early days i understand you know some of the policies that were enacted we didn't know what was going on we didn't know how to fight it we didn't know how to combat it and yes, there was there was a cause for concern and a cause for caution. Now that we're two years in, we have a wealth of knowledge. You know, we have vaccines, we have treatments, we have 
you know, a lot of people with natural immunity. There, there's a lot of things that we can do to live with COVID. We're not living with COVID. We're running from COVID. And we need to do a better job informing the people and giving them the resources and the things that they need to live with COVID. COVID's not going anywhere. We, are, we already know that. Nobody wants to say it, but it's a true statement. COVID is going to be like another flu. You know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people a year die from the flu. But we never got as, as crazily bent out of shape as we are with COVID. We need to learn and we need to develop a strategy how to live with COVID so we can get back to life. And one of the biggest things that I have a problem with is taking our kids out of school. We're doing more harm and more damage with our kids out of school than it would be if the kids were in school. They are the least susceptible to COVID, and even if they do catch COVID, they are the easiest to get over it. So it's, it's, we need to, we're doing more harm for their education and their future than they would if they actually uh, contracted COVID. Another thing on your uh, on your issues on your website is the southern border, and, and we know that that has been a mess for some time, and uh, it doesn't seem like uh, many of our uh, elected leaders want to address it, let alone go down there and, and see what the real mess is. Uh, how do we address this, or start to address the mess at the southern border? The southern border, is it's, it should be the biggest issue we're talking about. We're talking about human trafficking. We're talking about drugs coming over. They're we're looking at an 84% increase in fentanyl deaths in 2021 compared to 2020. We're, we're looking at a million-plus people that have come over the border. You know, call them whatever you want, undocumented, illegal. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a million-plus people that don't have the ability to function in our society that are going to put a tax on the services that so many people need. We have finite resources to take care of people. We just can't keep having people come over. You know, I... I've been around the world. I've seen third world countries. I've seen, you know, the, the dire straits that people go through, and I understand why people want to come to our country. But we have to do it a smart way. We have to take care of the people that we have here first before we bring more over. You know, our southern border needs to be secure because that is you know, 100% where most of the drugs in, in this country are coming from. You know, there are some that are manufactured in here. There are some that come across the northern border, but not near the percentage of what comes across the southern border. And I've had friends die from fentanyl overdoses, and we've had cops that have gotten sick from fentanyl, and it's just, you never know where it's coming from. It, it can be in anything, and they're putting it in everything, and it's, it's, it's a serious, serious problem that needs to be addressed. You also talk about uh, the legalization of marijuana on a federal level to address that fentanyl issue. Um, how would you go about doing that on the federal level? You know, it's, there's a lot of things that, you know, are enacted at the state level um, that should be handled at the state level. Marijuana is uh, criminalized at the federal level. So we could actually repeal that, um, that criminalization as, on a federal level and let the states decide what they want to do as per a state. Now, why do I think we should legalize marijuana? People that you... Go back as far as you can go back. People have been smoking marijuana since, you know, I can remember. It doesn't matter if it's legal or not, they're going to do it anyways. But here's the problem. The marijuana that they're getting, it's getting laced with fentanyl now, and people are dying from marijuana. You know, nobody ever thought, well, I'm not going to die from weed. Yeah, you are. They are. All over the place, people are dying from marijuana because it's coming across the southern border, it's coming across the northern border, and it's laced with stuff that we can't control. 
if we legalize marijuana, we can regulate it, we can control it, we can control what's in it, we can control who uses it and how it's used. You know, and that's just going to keep our people safe. You're not, you're not going to like prohibition. They, they, you know, got rid of alcohol. People still found a way to drink marijuana. Marijuana is illegal. People still find a way to smoke marijuana. People are going to find it. So what are you going to do? Are you going to regulate it and are you going to keep people safe, or are you just going to let people just, you know, keep going out there and doing what they're going to do and possibly risk being, you know, killed from a substance that we need to get a better hold of. Also, you talk about uh, voting rights and election reform. Um, and I think your, your main thing is that we need to, for federal elections at least, have voter ID uh, when you go to the polls. Uh, is that something that you would uh, be vocal about in Washington? Absolutely. You know, our, our elections are sacred. You know, it, it helps determine who our elected representatives are, you know, who runs our country, what decisions are made, what laws are passed. Our elections are, are something that should be more secure than our banking system, if you ask me. Our elections are, are one of the most important things for our future. And the fact that we just, there's no checks on absentee ballots, there's no checks on, well, now we have New York City that's, you know, you don't even have to be part of this country to decide its election. That's insanity. You know, I, I heard someone say that they could vote for the prime minister of Britain, but and then they could come over here and vote for the mayor of New York in the same election year. That's that's kind of crazy to me that anybody from anywhere can come over and decide whatever election they want. Well, and that was my next question. Uh, you know, building on this right here in in this very state in New York's in New York City, uh, you can now, if you're undocumented, illegal immigrant, you can vote in local elections. Um, and yeah, I think you're going to see this more and more on a state level. Do you think that's something that the federal government should step in and stop? There are certain things that the federal government should do with elections, and there's there's other things that they shouldn't. You know, the the elections should ultimately be run by the states, but there should be a guiding set of principles for the elections. You know, there should be voter you know voter ID. You know, the first time I went to go vote, and I, I brought my voter ID card with me. They're like, "Oh, you don't need that." And I was like, "How do you know I am who I am?" Well. We kind of figured that, you know, you are who you are. Really? Okay. Um, there should, you should absolutely have to, you know, provide your ID when you're voting. You should absolutely have to provide a signature on your mail-in ballot if you're, if you're voting via mail-in ballot. We, we need to secure our elections. That's something the federal government can do. You know, you can have, you know, signature verification on mail-in ballots and uh, photo ID for in-person with backed-up paper ballots. How many elections have we gone through? where they're like they're, the votes have been challenged or there's been you know things in question whether it's you know George Bush, Donald Trump, you know Joe Biden, you know how many elections has it been where they're like I don't think this is legitimate. We should never have we should ever ever never 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 have to question our election results. Stephen, also here locally, uh, Congressman Brian Higgins, uh, you know, he's been very vocal about tearing down the Skyway, getting rid of the 198, um, shortening the 190 uh, so it doesn't take up the, uh, the front of the lake. Are these things that you would be uh, supporting as well, or uh, do you think that's not the place for a congressman? Where would you stand on stuff like that, uh, tearing down certain highways here in western New York? You know, I... It's it's kind of one of those things that you have to weigh the you know progress versus you know uh, accessibility. I don't see any progress being made if you tear down the 198. I just see a lot of inconvenience in people's everyday lives. 
know, I'm I'm actually in support of you know keeping the 198. It's you know it's it's we it is something that people get to take a drive and see a lot of the city of Buffalo. You know, do we need to reform the 198? Absolutely. The Skyway Route Five, you know that that needs to be there. You know as well. I would never tear that down. Um, it's it's part of Buffalo. You know, when you go downtown, that's that's one of the most recognizable parts of our city. And I hear a lot of people talking about the green elevator as well. You know, do we need to fix and, and come up with some better solutions for, you know, folks in the southern tier to get to the city? Sure. You know, but don't tear down something until you have those things in place. You know, I, you know, I heard, well, we can reroute traffic through this area. Well, that's fine. But what about the people that live in those neighborhoods? You're not doing any improvements to the streets to get the traffic to run. So how are you going to tear down the Skyway before you have a plan? And it's our, some of our biggest roads. The 33, we could do some stuff there. The 198, we could do some stuff there. The Skyway, we, did, we could do some stuff there. But tearing it down to put a park on top of it, so are you really tearing it down or are you just making some new place for people to hang out? Stephen, uh, the campaign season, you know, we're getting very close to campaign season. How are you, What are your plans to kick off this campaign? And uh, would you be uh, proposing a debate with Congressman Higgins? Well, my campaign season started back in July when I first uh, decided that I was going to run. Actually, I was, you know, convinced by my wife. She's like, babe, you really need to do this. And I was like, you know, you're right. So I've been running since July. Um, had my first fundraiser last month. Picked the best day of the year to do it, 70-mile-an-hour wins. But, you know, that's, sometimes that's how it goes. I have another one coming up uh, January 25th. So it's what I propose to debate with Brian Higgins, absolutely. Uh, I'd debate Brian Higgins anytime, anywhere, you know, because I feel like we have a better idea of, you know, what the issues are for the everyday people. You know, it's we want to spend infrastructure dollars. Let's put infrastructure dollars where it really matters. You know, our city of Buffalo, you know, a lot of people don't know this, we don't have a stormwater management system. So every time we get a hard rain, people's basements get flooded. You know, sewers back up right into people's houses, and that's that's not something that's fun to deal with. Not to mention that they lose, you know, their appliances. They lose washer, dryer, furnace, hot water tank. Not a lot of people have a lot of money to be putting new stuff in every time. Not to mention our landlords that, you know, run out, pe- run out to people. That's a big hit. You know, a lot of landlords aren't doing it because they're multi-million dollar, you know, assets of theirs. It's regular, everyday people that, you know, had a little bit of money, so they wanted to build something for the future. They can't keep kicking out thousands of dollars for new new appliances every time we get a rain. You know, it's our interest. You know, we put more in infrastructure. You tear up the roads to put a stormwater management system in, you can put our power lines under the ground. That way, when we get heavy snows, people don't lose power. We're, you know, seniors are, are dependent on oxygen machines or, or all kinds of different, you know, CPAP machines to help sleep. If they don't have power, those things don't run. They don't work. People, you know, suffer because of it. I mean, there's there's things that we could do. And I'd, I'd like to see us moving towards that direction. Steve, before I let you go, was there anything you wanted to uh, touch on that I did not give you the opportunity to say? You know, it's one of the things that, you know, a lot of people overlook is our northern border. We have a lot of families that are, you know, have dual citizenship or they have a spouse in Canada. And they're trying to get over to see them is extremely hard. We need to uh, get to get together with some of our counterparts on the other side of the border and see if we can't come to a solution and a resolution to, to get people, especially in the immediate Niagara area, to, to, to get to see their families. You know, they're being deployed. I spent 900 days deployed in combat zones. I know what it's like to be away from your family. And I, I can relate and I can understand what these people are feeling like right now. And we gotta we got to do something to, to reunite our families. You know, I, I hope that, you know, 
some of the things that I've said, you know, resonate with people, and I, I encourage them to reach out uh, to me on my website at samsforthepeople.com. You know, if, and you can also leave a donation because we need some money to get in this fight and to, to bring some issue, you know, some light to some issues. Stephen Sams running for Congress in NY26. Stephen, thank you so much for your service. And uh, let me tell you this. If you want to debate with Brian Higgins and he agrees to it and you want it to be on Hardline here on WBEN, uh, I would not be against that. Hey, Joe, absolutely. Yeah, if, you, if you can set it up, I'll be there, man. All right, sounds good. Uh, appreciate you joining me this Sunday, and I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon. All right, thanks, Joe. Thanks for the time. Thank you. That's Stephen Sams II, an uh, American hero, wore the uniform, and now uh, running for Congress in NY26. If you missed any of that interview, if you missed any of our interviews this morning, you can find those at WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. Also, keep it right here on WBEN and at WBEN.com as we get ready for Winter Storm Izzy. I think that's what they're calling it, according to the Weather Channel. Uh, We will be getting about two feet of snow, one to two feet of snow, in the next 24 hours. And all the information you need will be right here on WBEN. So don't look any further. Make sure you're following us at WBEN on Twitter. And again, WBEN.com. And favor WBEN on the Odyssey app so you can get all the notifications from our newsroom. We will be here with you again throughout the day. Neil McManus at the top and bottom of the hour, keeping you updated. And then tomorrow morning, starting at 5 a.m., it's a new morning with Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski. BMAZ and Beamer, which will be just BMAZ tomorrow. David Bellavia, 10 to 2. I will be sitting in for Tom Bowerly, 2 to 6. And then Buffalo's Evening News. We will be here getting you through the storm as we always have and always will on WBEN. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Have a great Sunday afternoon. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.